Welcome to the But Here We Go podcast, coming at you from But Here We Go Studios in lovely Dallas, Texas. Today it was in the 70s, a nice calming no, no, breeze. No, 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 it was 70. My car tracked not, uh, 79 degrees, so that was... So I, it was in the 70s. Yes, I, yes, but it felt like 80s. It was hot. It's a nice comfortable 70s, nice soft breeze to cool you down. There was this light little mist in the morning. That mist felt like uh, the pitter-patter of angels on your face. <laughs> if you can't have tell. You had, have you had angels, angels pitter-patter, pitter-patter on my face? Are they, are they like Thumbelina angels? Yeah. Side note. One of my favorite things I've probably ever seen on Twitter, and I, I got to go find it because it's so funny. It showed like a drawing of how the Bible describes angels. And what, based on what we like know, Michael or yeah, like Gabriel, like Gabriel. like what Mary would have seen when Gabriel showed up, mm. and it is the most terrifying creature you've ever seen in your life, and it cracks me up because like if you just think of like how our nativity scenes would change, heck, like little Christmas pageants at schools would change if we actually had the angels look like they're described. <laughs> true, true, it would be like a horror movie. Yep. I would sign up for that. I would buy tickets to that pre-K performance. Well, I think that's a, a really good point you bring up because all of my discussion of the weather today was was pretty facetious. <laughs> and that's kind of the way that we portray angels is in a in a very uh watered down euphemistic sort of way. Every time we, we hear angels in the Bible, people are terrified. Any picture that you see, minus minus the rendition that that you're talking about, like angels are these cute, cuddly little things, kind of like teddy bears. Well, and I'm wondering if it's because, like, because I've noticed this a lot with, like, Jake's children's Bible that we've been reading to him, compared to, like, what we adults know about the Bible. Like, there's a lot of times we'll, we'll be reading the Bible like the storybook Bible and be like, yep. they left some parts out and left granted some important parts. Right. Out. And there's some parts like the raping of Bathsheba by David. Yeah, Maybe we, we don't, don't need to. Right. And there's like certain things that like they gloss over for good reason. Um, but I'm wondering if like the whole cute, cuddly angel situation is something never changed. that never changed. Like we never grew out of it and we never, we commercialized it for like quote unquote baby Christians. And we never, completed the picture but i'm realizing if i've got an army of angels like i'd rather have that army be those like, terrifying things i'd rather have the army of orcs than the army of elves <laughs> just because like that fear factor right, you know right, what i'm saying right right, right. so that's yeah, a good, that's a that's a good comparison because i they uh they don't look anything like orcs but they look terrifying I'm going, I'm going with the orc army of angels not the elfish army of angels but you got to hand it to elves. Like they are, they're pretty awesome. I'm I'm wondering, and I'm sure a quick Google would determine this, but I'm wondering if J.R.R. Tolkien based the elves off like angel, like they're like, since it's all like an allegory, mm. if they're like the angel equivalent. I don't know how the we elves, <laughs> The elves can get scary. That one elf queen oh, lady, yeah. like she got, she got freaky. That's a really scary scene like too. Like that was, she scared me. Well, and what's funny too, and this is just more about the allegory, is there's man in Lord of the Rings, but then there's also hobbits. Yep. But like... And dwarves. You're right. Yeah. So that's a lot of like... Well, I guess I guess elves look like so, humans as well. So how much of it is the allegory of, say, the Bible and of religion... And of God. I don't think it's a straight allegory like uh, Narnia is with like Aslan sacrificing himself on the stone table. I don't think it's an exact, I think it's more of like biblical themes, but they do copy. They don't copy, but they were friends. And so like there's certain things like the talking trees, there's talking trees in both. Yeah. And what are the talking trees? They play a very significant role in the Twin Towers. I was reminded um, that there is a talking donkey in the New Testament and I had forgotten about that thing. Yeah, you'll have to point that out to me. <laughs> I'll Google it. I don't remember. I, I don't think people talk about it very much because it's like, what the heck is this talking about? Yeah, but that's like one of those things where it is God basically talking through a donkey, right? Um, kind of like he talked through a burning bush. 
Is that not talking through a tree? Okay, so in Numbers chapter 22, verse 28, uh, after Balaam starts punishing the donkey for refusing to move, it is miraculously given the power to speak. And it complains about Balaam's treatment. And I I think I recently read, well, I was reminded about this because it was a book on like biblical womanhood um, uh, because Deborah was one of the great, or was she, she's considered a major prophet, right? Or is she a minor prophet? I feel like Deborah's a major prophet. I I don't. Okay, know. she's a prophet. She is a prophetess. She she made the cut to be in the children's Bible, which means she's pretty important. Right, I'd say she's pretty major then. <laughs> there are no minor prophets in the children's Bible. Jonah is he considered a minor prophet? I'm pretty sure. I will say this, and we don't have to go too much into this because this may be controversial for some. I found out recently that it's more common within Christianity to assume that the book of Jonah is satire than literal. And I, that kind of blew my mind because that was not how it was taught to me. Anyway, back to either way, Balaam's donkey. The book I was reading was, which was about biblical womanhood. It was talking about Deborah because a lot of the times, and I was told this too, growing up, a lot of pastors will say that Deborah is not like a knock against women, womanly submission because the Lord just chose Deborah to be a prophet because there were no and good... she submitted to that choosing. <laughs> no, no uh, she, there were no good men available. So God had to use a woman. And this author was like, that's kind of a st- stupid answer because God used a talking donkey. So if he wanted to like talk to somebody and lead the people of Israel from not a woman, he could have easily figured that out. <laughs> he even says, if if man will not praise him, the rocks will sing out. Right. There you go. And when was the last time you saw a talking rock? <laughs> uh, that would be a never, sir. I study rocks for a living. <laughs> I've never met a talking one. <laughs> How do we start talking about talking donkeys? Narnia and yes. Lord of the Rings. Narnia, Lord of the Rings. Uh, was not planning on talking about this, but are you looking forward to slash you are you even aware of the fact that there is a new Lord of the Rings television show coming out? Yeah, I heard that. Are you excited? Are bet. you? <laughs> <laughs> are you are are you a I Lord bet of the it's Rings fan? Slap. I bet it'll slap. <laughs> do you like the Lord of the Rings? I've I do. Never, I've I like never, Lord of the Rings. I've never read them. Have you read them? No. Okay. I I didn't start reading until college. You just like, did not read a legit. single thing. I only when forced. I think that I finished maybe two books throughout high school: Catcher in the Rye and Of Mice and Men. Maybe Old Man in the Sea, but I think we read Old Man in the Sea in class. God, that's a, I hate so, that book. Yeah, like it's rough. I did. I I'll take that back. I did do the summer reading. I've always like wanted, and again, I, I'm just strange, but I um, have always really admired Stephen Colbert for a lot of reasons, but I just love how into Lord of the Rings he is. And I've always just like wanted to be like, I, I that I, into something specifically the Lord of the Rings. And I don't know if it's just cause I enjoy being a nerd so much. And that I feel like is, is super nerdy before going to like full out Dungeons and Dragons or whatever. But he always talks about the Similarian, which is like... That's the encyclopedia. It's like additional history everything. written by Tolkien for the Lord of the Rings that's apparently like super convoluted and like gives more into like the theology, not like the Christian theology allegories, but like... The, What's going on in Lord Who of the is Rings. the God? Yeah. And all that stuff. And I like really wanted to read it. And I'm pretty sure I picked up like a copy of The Hobbit and... As much as I wanted to like it, I cannot jive with Tolkien's writing style. I cannot follow along. And so I stopped after like five pages. It was, I was depressed. <laughs> I really was, wanted to like it. It was so bad. It depressed well, it, you. you. Well, <laughs> um, well, I'm a reader, so I like to read and I assumed that I would be really into this. But when you compare like one of the books, of uh narnia which are like children's books and very very short i could like read one in an hour and then you compare one of those to like the hobbit or the fellowship of the ring it's like an extremely daunting task and a completely different demographic that they were writing for so it's just you know it's a different beast what were we going to talk about it does help us transition because in lord of the rings in 
those books with those wizard people, Harry, Harry Potter. Potter, the Harry Potter world, there there is always some type of underlying theme of lesser individuals. The one thing that I always remember from, I think it was Fellowship of the Ring, the the dwarf, he was like, he always felt like he had a chip on his shoulder and the the humans didn't like him. And it always like felt like he was like fighting to be considered equal. And the one thing I remember from Harry Potter is Dobby and the, are they goblins? He is a house goblin. House goblin. Sure. Which are, which are basically, they are, slaves. they're slaves. Right. And I think you told me that Hermione in the books didn't make the cut for the for the movies. Oh, there's this huge there's subplot. There's this huge subplot of her trying to free all the house right. goblins. Right. It's like there's like a great exodus. There's like a whole story of the exodus, exodus of house goblins in, within the wow. Harry Potter book series. And it seems fitting that this week, when this is being released, tomorrow, so this will be released Monday, on Tuesday is International Women's Day. International Women's Day, I did not know about it until I went international, meaning when I was in Iceland. Do they make a big deal about it over there? It was actually the Polish students who made a big deal of it. Interesting. And they kind of indoctrinated all of us, taught all of us dumb Americans what International Women's Day was, and and like made a big to-do about the whole thing to make sure everybody knew about it and started to think about it. And it really is a, a very large international holiday. I had no idea. Celebration. I truthfully hadn't heard about it until like after college. Well, I want to say on this podcast that I am thankful for you Aww. and for all women, but most importantly, you as my woman. <laughs> I don't like that. Um, <laughs> <I'm just kidding>. <laughs> we, <laughs> correct. Not, not as if I own you or possess right, you. Right. But, but <laughs> you are my <laughs> wife and, and we are partners. Right. We're one flesh. International Women's Day. So what's your experience with International Women's Day? I, like, I have literally zero experience with, with International Women's Day. Is there a National Women's Day? No, it's just International Women's. And I think, so I think that that, Do I get that a present? right there. Do you want a present? No. Okay. I'll get you a present. <laughs> Maybe I won't since you said no. <laughs> I don't know. We'll figure it out. But I think that that's part of the problem. The fact that the U.S. does not really think about International Women's Day. I don't know why. Maybe because it's not a federal holiday. So like no one gets the day off. So like, I mean, if you looked at a calendar, there's so many freaking days for everything. So it may just get like forgotten about just, you know, there's so much stuff. And it's also in between. It's like in the middle of Lent and St. Patrick's Day and Val. I mean, there's just a, like a lot of random holidays around this time. So maybe that's it. I also think truthfully, the women in America, I can't speak for outside America, but in America are pretty divided on a lot of issues. So I think it's hard for us to, because I, I, truthfully, I remember when I first heard about International Women's Day, I think I was under the assumption that it was like a feminist holiday. Mm. And at the time I had a pretty, pretty bad taste in my mouth toward feminism simply because I am pro-life and that I tend to get like left out of that kind of conversation. So I think that was kind of my mentality toward it. But now uh, I, again, like I would love to celebrate it. I just don't know how one celebrates that, especially as a woman. Like I am a woman, so it's hard to like, do I celebrate myself? So there's a few different things. Oh, you looked it up. There is a internationalwomensday.com which I think is like the organization behind that like supports a lot of efforts with International Women's Day. I can't tell. And I am, I am even though I was exposed to this 10 years ago, obviously we've never really celebrated it, which is my, my problem. I should have done that. <laughs> but it is a, it's still a learning process for me. I think the hashtag break the bias they are putting that all over the webpage. What's what bias are we breaking? The bias that women are lesser. Oh, yeah. We should definitely break that. So let me just read this. Imagine a gender equal world, a world free of bias, stereotypes and discrimination, a world that's diverse, equitable and inclusive, a world 
where difference is valued and celebrated. Together, we can forge women's equality. Collectively, we can all break the bias. Is this like their new campaign or is this their campaign every year? Oh, I don't know. Okay, because you haven't been keeping up. Celebrate women's achievement. Raise awareness against bias. Take action for equality. I will say this. I have experienced bias towards me because of Mm -hmm. my gender. Mm -hmm. And in very, um, I would not go so far as to say like microaggressions, but like in in very uh, innocent ways. So it wasn't like I was never like. Maybe ignorant ways. Right. Like I was never in a toxic or like abusive situation because of that. But like, I like, especially like I was in real estate for over 10 years in some capacity and in different jobs. And it, at least in Dallas, it is is still a very like white male driven and run like industry, um, which I knew that getting into it, but it was like the, just the jobs are very segregated. Like there are like property management is typically women and they typically don't have a lot of men. And then sales and like leasing is majority men. And it is extremely hard for a woman to get into that because it's purely networking. Like that is how it's commission only. You like eat what you kill. Like like if you don't play golf, like you're not making deals. And like those are very stereotypically like men dominated things. And you, you talk a lot of shop, but then you also have like quote unquote locker room talk that they don't necessarily want not a okay. woman. <laughs> right. But they don't necessarily want like women around when those conversations are being had. So then that excludes women from those conversations and thus from those money-making opportunities. So that I saw that like firsthand a lot. Similarly, like I would be with coworkers who were male and they would start making inappropriate jokes or whatever. And, but then they would turn to me and be like, ear mess alley. Like we don't, you don't need to hear this stuff, which on one side of the thing, I was appreciative that they were like, hey, like this is inappropriate. Recognizing that they were being inappropriate. Right. But then on the other side of that, they were excluding me from a camaraderie situation and they were still being inappropriate. Yeah. So they <laughs> right. were recognizing their right. problem, but continuing that problem and only exacerbating it by excluding you. Right. And so they were saying, hey, this isn't inappropriate for us this is inappropriate for you because you're a woman. And I had a conversation with them about it. And they apo- right. And they apologized. Um, and they're my friends. So it's fine. It wasn't fine, but it was a good conversation. But so it's like little things like that, that like in the grand scheme of things, like no one was hurt in that situation. But those things, when they happen over and over again, like that, I mean, especially from like a job situation that eliminates people from equal opportunities to make money. Mm-hmm. And like, that is a major problem. And that, creates those two different paths of i i read a story once that basically said one of the ways that people can move up in their companies and build that camaraderie is through drinking to the point of like intoxication of intoxication and really like having those moments where they can feel like peers and feel a bond which ultimately could help them get to the C-suite or whatever level of business they're shooting for. And whether it's un, like unrecognized bias or not, typically, especially like in my industry, men are doing that with other men. And some of that is for like, you know, it, it would be probably inappropriate for a male employee to drink to a to- intoxication with the female employee. Like that would be complicated. But again, with my little situation is a great comparison is like, if it's inappropriate behavior, it's in, like, it should not be something that is normal for an it industry. It shouldn't be done at all. Right. But also, if that article is correct, which I feel like it would be because I've seen it firsthand, that means that one gender is getting the opportunity to get better paying jobs and better promotions simply because of their gender. And that is not like that's. That's not equal. <laughs> yeah. That's why we have to break the bias. Right. No. So I like that. And yeah. I, and I, and I, before I started corporate America, I was very much like, Hey, like the gender wage gap, it, it, it may happen somewhere, but it's not a, like a systemic issue. And obviously like you're not always have your like, you can always find somebody rule. who is, yeah. Somebody who's a VP or a right. CEO or 
somebody high up me like, oh, female. Right. But even like looking at like the companies that I've worked for, if you looked at anybody at the executive level, they were all men. Yep. Every single last one of them. And yep. there were some very hardworking women there who'd been there for decades. Yep. And everyone in the executive were men. So don't want to sit here and belabor this, especially since we're two ignorant people talking about International Women's Day. Obviously, you're I'm a woman. A woman. I have you some know a lot expertise. about. You have some expertise on the women part of it, right? But the, not the international. Part. The international and the day part of it. Yeah, Those right. are a Up little hazy. But I wanted to make sure I made a call out to our five listeners. <laughs> some of which those, are women. Those that will listen before Tuesday, make sure that you celebrate yourselves. Make sure that you call out that it's International Women's Day. Help help bring awareness to our unaware country. And if it, there's a man listening, do something to celebrate and empower the women in your life. Way to go, Joe. Hey, thanks. Do you want to pop into my special segment let's that you pop, have no idea what it is? Let's pop into the Surprise Joe segment. Right, right. So um, this could utterly fail. We'll see what happens. We're excited. Uh, I think it could be fun. Uh, so what I did is so the Oscars are coming up. I, um, I feel like in years past, I've been obsessed with the Oscars and I, I don't know if it's just cause of like life happened. I honestly don't care that much anymore. I have looked up the, uh, is it 10? I think it's freaking 10, man. So I think that there are, you have been more excited, I think, for the Tonys. Yeah, yeah, that's my more my jam. But right now, for the past few years, obviously Tonys we weren't right. Running. Well, we haven't really had Oscars either. And even before, maybe it was this year, because there were so few shows eligible to receive a Tony. Right. The there really weren't any. Right. Like I think I think there you was s- one nominee for Best Actor. For the Tonys this year. And I think for Best Show, there was like four, all of which were like not that great. Right, right, right. I also, so before, maybe in college, so the Angelica Film Center, these like independent movie chains in Dallas, um, and I don't know if they're doing it right now because of COVID, but typically for the award season, they will have all the Oscar nominated films and they will have the Oscar nominated short films. And that's fun because typically that's hard to see unless you're actually at the like film competitions or whatever they're called. And I have gone and like could go, uh, watch the animated and like full or in yeah. non-animated shorts. And that's been really fun. Anyway, this is the list of the, t- of the 10 movies. Yes. 10 movies nominated for best picture at the upcoming Academy Awards. You know of some of them. Three you have seen, one you want to see, but the rest I want to see, if just based on the name, you can tell me what you think the movie is about. Okay, let's hear it. Okay, we're going to start off with, I'm just going to say the ones that you've already seen that are nominated. And if you want to make and any gonna, comments about yeah, it, Yeah, I'll can. tell you what the, the movie's about. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dune is nominated. Okay, Dune. In a world where there is only sand and really iridescent blue <laughs> liquid, you have to ride the worm. <laughs> have you seen the original one with me, right? I've made you watch the original. You did, but I think I fell asleep. Okay, like, so good. I love Dune. Dune is just, it's one of those things that I think it is so heady because it's supposed to be a social commentary about something. <laughs> But it's just so far out there right. that it literally doesn't make sense. Do you think it deserves to be nominated for Best Picture? No. No. There's like four <laughs> words in the whole movie. <laughs> but Timothy Chalamet. Chalamet. And Zendaya. Yeah. Like, that's fine. Right. There's these really cool hip actors right now. But there's not enough words. There's not enough actually there. I will say if I hadn't seen the original and knew the entire plot of the movie, because Dune, is, this is like part one. Part two is coming out later this year. I th- I don't think I would have enjoyed it because I would have been very confused as to what the heck. Because we didn't even see us. Did we even see a sandworm yet in this new one? The sandworm, yes. it is all about yes. sandworms. And so if I hadn't seen the original, I don't think I would have liked the the new one. I will say there were a few a few plot points that I 
didn't see come out very clearly in the original that they did a much better job with. But overall, I would not put it into best picture. I would... I would, I would give it best cinematography, but I would not say it is a best picture nomination. Okay, that's fair. Um, the next one is West Side Story, which we literally watched last night. So West Side Story is all about the Jets and the Sharks. They don't even mention the Sharks. They mention it once. We don't even know. You only watch like half of this movie. We so. don't even know who the other gang is. Don't the Sharks have their own song? They did mention... No, they did Why don't the Sharks have a song? Well, they have a song. It's just not called the Shark Song. Well, they need a song where they mention being sharks. They also mentioned a third gang called the Egyptian Kings, which I do not remember being mentioned in the original. I think they mentioned another one as well. Really? Yeah, there were a few I want to see that musical. The musical of the gang who's like, we don't care. We're just trying to do other stuff. Also, an Egyptian king is a pharaoh. So get your name right, Egyptian Kings. In the 1950s, when the slums are being taken down, what is left to do for the poor and the powerless but fight each other while the rest of their world crumbles? <laughs> okay, it's dark. I, I struggle with this one. Spoiler alert, In the Heights was not nominated. And neither was Tick, Tick, Boom. This is, this is something that, that maybe is wrong, maybe is controversial, maybe is part of what people are complaining about. But when you think about In the Heights and West Side Story, very, very similar storylines about immigrants trying to make their way in America. Again, very controversial thing I'm going to say. Steven Spielberg, he's white. Steven Spielberg does basically all his movies with the same cinematography, the same little flashy, flashy eye things. And the, you know, like the, uh, like the, the lens glares and stuff. <laughs> He's not the only person. He's not the only person, but glares. literally all his movies have it. And like, that's fine. Okay. He's got this cool style, but he's already been recognized for it. Right. So you're like, and like he hasn't done anything Oscar. new. Yeah. This isn't new. You're recreating a already told story, adding lens flare. Do you think there should be a separate category for best uh, picture revival? <laughs> <laughs> Best remake of a movie. <laughs> and they move that over there. Uh, maybe. But I think with all of the big push that the Oscar said, oh, we're going to make make all these new rules for best picture that you have to be, you have to have all this diversity, equity, and inclusion in there. Why would, why would you, because in the Heights, very good story, very relevant story. Very cool cinematography and bringing in a brilliant director, writer, everything in Lin-Manuel Miranda. He actually did not direct In the Heights. Okay. Well. It's the same guy who did Crazy Rich Asians, did In the Heights. Okay. I don't know his name. I hear what you're saying. Um, firstly, the the diversity requirements for the Oscars do yeah, not no, kick into like place. Yeah. a couple of years from now. However, the rules that are in place... They don't say that every single person has to be a person of color. That would, in fact, be discrimination. Yeah, no, no, I'm not. It has to be a certain amount. Yeah, and, and I'm so not... Steven Spielberg would meet the the criteria of it, as long as it wasn't all white men. Yep, doing yep. everything. And I, I think I'm, I'm more saying. You wish other films had other opportunities. Yeah, and it's, and it's mostly because I, I'm, I'm going back to the point of Steven Spielberg. I really don't feel like he has created anything new there. I feel like he is retelling a story using Steven Spielberg classic stuff. So therefore, I don't think he is doing anything special that deserves best picture. Right. He makes quality films. We're not surprised. Yeah. Whereas in the Heights, it was very exciting to watch. It is a story that many people will have not heard. This may be this may be a lie. But I feel like most people know something from West Side Story. It's a derivative of Romeo and Juliet. So I think people are familiar with it this way. I hear what you're saying. I don't necessarily agree with you because I think that West Side Story was extremely good. And it's also extremely rare to have a musical hit the 
the best picture category. So I'm excited that it's there, even though the other ones got left out. However, I, what you're saying is how I feel when, and I feel like, I don't feel like looking it up, but I feel like this year's Oscar is like this. If you look at the best uh, actor and best actress category, it's typically the same handful of people every year they get nominated. Yep. And you're like, look, like there were other films and like y'all are literally getting nominated every single year. So like now I'm like, I, who, it, which honestly may be why the Oscars don't get as much people to watch it anymore is because you, yeah, you're literally watching the same people win awards over and over and over again. It's a hard balance to make is because like, obviously they may be deserving of it, but at a certain point, like no one likes to see the, you know, the same person win all the time. I think that there is, there's a little bit of an analogy we can make here with the Winter Olympics. If we look at Sean White, he was awesome, won three golds over right. his. But we don't care about over Sean his White five. Anymore. Yeah, we want to see the next fifteen-year-old who's going to be the next Sean White. But not not to that point. Like we're over Sean White. Like Sean White doing amazing Sean White tricks. Those are not necessarily pushing the boundary. I see, I see. That is, like, I will gladly watch Sean White do a great run every single day. Like, that's that's fun, that's enjoyable. That's Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg is not pushing the boundary. And that is, and maybe that's me not understanding the Academy. Like, he's he has gotten his award way back when for E.T. He has done... (laughs) No more for you. He's done a bunch of others. He's like done new stuff. But now it's like, okay, what... I, what he, new stuff hear is me there? say this and then we, we can move on yeah we, we gotta move we've to got go eight more to go I, I if Carlos is listening to this don't text me but <laughs> I'm, I'm not a big fan of the original West Side story I think the original West Side story is boring again hate me all you want it's just not my jam um I I, I, I think obviously I can appreciate it for being a good musical it's just not my thing watching the new West Side Story made me like West Side Story because it it was such a different take on it. Were all the songs the same? Actually, no. They actually took some liberties with some of the songs, which is really interesting. Half of the movie is in Spanish with no subtitles. That is a really interesting creative choice to make, especially because not I'm, I live in Texas and I took five years of Spanish and I still didn't know half the crap that they were saying. And then also, um, there was a lot more character development and story arc in this new one that did not exist in the other one. So this really was an extremely modern retelling of the classic musical that I thought was really significant. And I I don't know what best like best directors are cuz I I I don't know if he's nominated. He's he probably is nominated for best director. But from a best like take Steven out of it, from a best picture perspective it's an extremely like if you go down the list cinematography fantastic acting fantastic dancing fantastic costumes fantastic like ed like all everything like i did not see a single thing wrong with that film and that's what i'm looking for because there's typically and again i who am i to i'm not an expert but there's usually a film or two every year that's nominated that i'm like how in the world did this movie get nominated for Best Picture? Like this one actor was terrible or I saw a like a, 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 a boom mic in a scene. Like, I think West Side Story, This ugh, I don't know if I want to say it's perfect, but I did not see a single thing wrong with it. And so for that reason, I understand why it's nominated for Best Picture. I hear what you're saying. I think before, previously you've said that when you think of Best Picture, you expect them to kind of to be nominated in every other category correct yeah and i i don't remember if west side story is but i think that it is okay well because i I think i thought you said earlier that nobody is really nominated across the board no there's a lot of movies that are nominated across the board um what's weird is like so andrew garfield is nominated for tick tick boom for best actor and tick tick boom is not nominated for anything else that's weird that is weird so that's almost guaranteeing this is weird because i feel like it's like you can predict this stuff andrew garfield will not win 
best actor because of that. And so it's it's like you can kind of tell or like if a movie, their only nomination is for best song. Typically why a production company will do that is simply they know they're not going to win. It's so they can say, hey, this is an Oscar nominated movie. And just blanket that statement for marketing purposes. They won't tell you which it's nominated for like sound editing, but it is it is now an Oscar nominated film, and that makes people typically people will pick like buy well, a movie if it's, right if it's yep. Oscar nominated for anything. Yep. Well, we digress. We can move on. Okay. The uh, the next one and last one of the ones that you've seen is Don't Look Up. Don't look up. Which Don't Look Up. Just don't look up. I am surprised that this got nominated for Best Picture. I did not see that coming. I did not. From I, anywhere. I'm not used to comedies being nominated. Yeah. And it's like, Usually it's a comedy. Like, it's it's a funny I one. I would even, I mean, I don't even think it's barely a, a dark comedy because it's just so out there. But I guess it is a dark comedy. Anyway, that's yep. nominated. Moving on. We're, no, no. I just need to, I need oh, to tell everybody okay, first. You like, can go. If you haven't seen Don't Look Up, you have to. And it's just such a such a social commentary on today. This is an allegory for climate change. Right. And we talked about it, I think, on a previous podcast. But Timothy Chalamet's prayer at the end is that I love it. It's awesome. It's so good. It's so, so, so good. Again, yep. Timothy Chalamet, he's... Is he nominated twice he, for Best Actor? Because he should be. <laughs> He's been best actor in two. He's like barely a sporting actor in that bit. Okay. But it was great. The next one, you've heard of it. You want to Ooh, see yeah, it. Yeah, the dog show. The power of the dog. The power which, of the believe dog. it or not, Joe, it is. You said it's the favorite. It's the front runner to sweep. In a world where there are no electronics, the 1800s, <laughs> living on a ranch and figuring out how to do life. When your child is slightly more effeminate than everybody else. <laughs> it seems like that's what the movie's about. Do you think there's a dog in it? it Where do you get his no, powers? No, the power of the dog goes back to like, I I think this is, this is me not knowing anything about the movie except the trailer that hooked me. It was honestly, it was almost more the the dust in the air and the clothing that they were wearing, the costumes That's and the dust you? hooked me. Cause I think I, I don't even think I had the, you're such a cowboy. That's why yeah, you but, love all that stuff. But the power of the dog, my guess on where this is coming from is that this poor little boy who doesn't fit in is ultimately going to be backed into a corner and he's going to kill somebody. And he's going to like flip the whole world upside down in this little 10 person thing going on. The main actors and actresses and like that main little interactive group. This boy is going to get picked on so much that he's going to kill somebody. Something is he's going to blow up their world and in you a bad wanna, way. You want to watch it. I'm hoping that that's not what happens, but I just kind of feel like that's what's going to happen. Are you ready to move on to the movies that you have no, you shouldn't know what they're about? Yeah, let's hear it. Okay, I'm going to laugh if you do. Licorice Pizza. Is it a, is it a coming of age story? Ooh, that a, sounds about right. Sounds like a coming of age story in a lower, in a lower class in like a lower econo socioeconomic group. Do you think it's a comedy or a drama? Drama. The story of Alana and Gary growing up, running around, and going through the treacherous navigation of first love in the San Fernando Valley, 1973. Okay. I feel like you weren't far off. I wasn't too far off. A right. coming-of-age story in a lower socioeconomic setting? I didn't say that, but I can only assume. That's basically I don't know, what how, they just San explained. Fernando Valley? The San Fernando Valley, I think, is is not the richest part of L.A., but it's not the poorest part either, I don't think. Nightmare Alley. So Nightmare Alley is it's a story about a girl who just can't seem to get anything to go right. Her entire life is one nightmare after another. 
until she finally ends up in an alley and is murdered. An ambitious carny with a talent for manipulating people with a few well-chosen words hooks up with a female psychiatrist who is even more dangerous than he is. Why is that nominated for Best Picture? I don't know, but it's Guillermo uh, del Toro. He's one of, I think he's, he's the a carny. director. He's the carny. He's the famous director. He did Pan's Labyrinth and a lot of these other like weird, dark, twisted movies. I'm so. thinking of... There's a guy who he was in, I can't remember any of the movies he was in now, but that's who I was thinking of. Oh, uh, I don't know. Benedicto. Yes, the guy Benedic- who played the bad guy in James Bond. Okay, moving on. King Richard. King Richard is about King Richard and all of the murdering he did to his <laughs> wives. That was King Henry VIII. Ah, King Henry. Um, no, King Richard is about um, oh. Venus and Serena Williams' dad. I, I don't have, know how he became a king, but... I have literally looked at the poster. <laughs> I know, I was kind of surprised. No, I think we watched the... Trailer? We watched the trailer yeah. on Netflix. Um, he, um, so Will Smith plays King Richard, and yeah. he, they, because they had the glow, the Golden Globes oh, recently, and King he, Richard. he won and beat Andrew Garfield for best actor okay. for okay. King Richard. So it's typically whoever wins the Globes okay. is like a shoe in to win the Oscar. However, sometimes they'll, they'll flip it. Okay. Um, okay. Drive my car. Drive my car. Again, this is one that I feel like I've seen has to do with young love. There's a boy. He has to drive the car. Something happens and he needs he needs to get that car from (laughs) point A to point B. And he needs to do it fast because life depends on it. Okay, so this is interesting because it's actually a foreign film. And what's interesting about that is there is a best foreign film category at the Oscars. And so when a foreign film is nominated for both foreign film and best picture, like that's a big deal. And so this is one of those. And I guess the most recent time that happened was Parasite. Mm, Parasite. That is a weird, I still have like nightmares about that movie. Did Parasite win both? I feel like it did. It's a foreign film. So typically if a foreign film is nominated for Best Picture, it's also nominated for Best Foreign Film. Anyway, I don't feel like Googling it. Um, So this is a Japanese film, and it says, After his wife's unexpected death, um, Yusuke, a renowned stage actor and director, receives an offer to direct a production of Uncle Vanya in Hiroshima. There he begins to face the haunting mysteries his wife left behind. That has nothing to do with cars. No, it isn't. Um, Belfast. Belfast. Yes, Belfast. Mm. Okay, okay. There's a lot of different ways this could go. Have you seen the trailer? No, I haven't. Okay. This could go, and this is just a commentary on on what I feel like I've seen a lot from, from and this is how dumb I am, from I- Irish films or, or um, maybe it's Scotland. Is Belfast in Ireland? Uh, okay, that's fine. So somewhere up there, what I've noticed is that oftentimes it is trying to, it is people trying to get themselves out of a bad situation and ultimately not succeeding. So it could go that way. It could also go having to do with the People's Republic of Ireland. And I'm forgetting what those were, but those wars the wars between Ireland or like the terrorist attacks from Ireland to the UK could have to do with that. The last thing it could have to do with maybe gets wrapped in is music. <laughs> Cause, Cause of the Irish a, music punk scene. There's a band I think named Belfast. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to read you the, the, the little blib and then I'm going to read you the big blib because I feel like it's all of the above. Well, so the little blib is a, a young boy in his working class Belfast family experienced the tumultuous late 1960s. Oh, wait. So this is what I think is funny. When I hear that, I'm like, oh, just, you know, like a run of the mill little, you know, just dealing with the 60s. And I don't know if that's just because I'm dumb or because I only know the 1960s from like from America. America. This is the big blib. Let's hear it. Belfast. 
15th of August, 1969. Surrounded by sporadic violence and growing danger, nine-year-old Buddy finds himself confronted with the ugly reality of sectarian conflict and as the suffocating stranglehold of increasing turmoil tightens around his once peaceful working-class neighborhood, Buddy tries his best to understand the troubles, which is capitalized. After all, someone must be responsible for forcing people to flee their homes. Now, Buddy's family must come face-to-face -face with a nearly impossible, life-altering decision. Stay or start packing. Does that should I say or should I go now? <laughs> that was a very vastly different... Like, if I go, there will be trouble. I would, based on the first summary, I would not have watched this movie. The second summary, now I'm like, well, freaking dang, what happened in the 60s in Ireland? I I would watch that movie. Right? Although... Summaries are important. Here's the thing. I'm not... This may be not the best, but I'm not that interested in children being like the main person main person with the is this a better selling point it's from the looks of it i think it's entirely in black and white no that i'm gonna help. walk away just based on that, that i don't know help. what it is about black and white film i don't like watching them especially like new films there's that just are so all much black and white there's just so much i feel like it hurts my world. eyes it's so much white we needs we need that color color adds so many levels of complexity and understanding i wonder if it's like i to that point typically when a modern day film is in black and white it's a very like specific artistic choice like i remember like the artist that was that movie that came out a while back that was set in like the 20s for silent films or whatever or like there'll be like a film where like at the very end like a red rose will pop up in the black and white you know they'll use the black and white i don't get why this is a black and white again i've never seen it so who knows what but was that what was that movie that started in black and white and slowly that would be the wizard of oz no 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 not the wizard of oz it was the one i think it had toby mcguire in it Oh, Pleasantville? Pleasantville. That's a great movie. Yeah, Pleasantville. It has Reese Witherspoon in it, yeah, too. Yeah, that was a good one. It was I a liked, really good movie. I liked what they did with the black and white. No, yeah, that was a good... Well, and also, but the movie wasn't always black and white. I think... Yeah. I need some it, color it, in it. It shifted. Right, right. I'll watch a black and white movie, but I really... It does strain my eyes. Are you ready for the last one? Yeah, let's hear it. So this one is annoying to me simply because I looked at the trailer today and I really want to see this movie. However, literally the only way you can watch this movie is to have an Apple Plus subscription. It's the first Apple Plus film to be nominated. I will I will give the Academy some credit. It is annoying that that there are films that you can't that you can't watch. Right. And that's obviously the Academy. They're the ones who vote. It's not like the U.S. popular vote. Right. For, but I feel like if you're going to not, if you if you get nominated, you should then have some sort of like short amount of time that you can go to like an independent theater or something yeah, to see. Like the it movies. should almost be a requirement that you are available to the public to, obviously you would pay to go see it, but, Instead of having the, like, because I know before it was like you have to be in some type of film festival or something. So everybody was like, oh, we're just all going to release our shows at Cannes. And then we're going to be eligible. Right. I think COVID changed it. COVID definitely did. But I think that even if it was like a, a like, post-nomination, like, okay, everybody who does get nominated at that point between the nomination date and the actual Oscar date, you have to have your show in somewhere right. publicly available just to like, otherwise it's, it's, it's dumb. Right. Well, cause um, they've done that sometimes where, uh, cause like the, the nomination cutoff date, it's pretty early. And so sometimes like a movie will just be finishing their theater run and make the nomination process, but then not be in theaters. But they will typically bring the movie back a couple months leading up to the Oscars because it is a huge, again, like people like to go to see the Oscar nominated films. 
Um, but yeah, so there's two Netflix films nominated, Power of the Dog and Don't Look Up, which obviously you have to have a Netflix um, subscription for those. But yeah, Apple Plus. And I don't know, do you have to have an Apple TV in order to subscribe to Apple Plus? Because I guess like it would be cheaper than getting a ticket to just like subscribe for a month. But that's kind but of annoying. would it be cheaper? I don't know. And I... I It'd be cheaper than getting popcorn and a drink. I will say, I, I don't know. You and I talking about Apple TV, we are both in the same boat in that we do not have one. We never, neither of us have ever had one. We have no intention of getting it. I know Ted Lasso sounds fantastic, but I just can't bring myself to get it. We have, we're never going to watch Ted Lasso. So quit asking. And I'm really upset because I actually want to watch this movie really bad. So maybe we just need to go over to somebody's house who has an Apple Plus account. Let's just, um, yeah, let's consider it. Okay. Are you ready? Let's hear it. Coda. 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 Yeah. Okay. It's not like Dakota. It's like C-O-D-A. Coda. Yeah, Coda. Ooh, this is bad. Coda. Well, this takes place in the future. Coda, talking about, you know, the, the internet of things, the data behind the world, the artificial intelligence that has now taken over and has become the supreme intelligence and now humanity is fighting for their lives against the coda like a hundred percent okay as a <sighs> as a coda a child of deaf adults ruby is the only hearing person in her deaf family when the family's fishing business is threatened ruby finds herself torn between pursuing her love of music by wanting to go to berkeley or and her fear of abandoning her parents and guess who is the lead girl? You'll never guess. I'll just tell Dakota you. Dakota Fanning. No. <laughs> no. Um, no, the main, the girl from Lock and Key. That show that we watch on Netflix. The sister with the keys. Oh my gosh. Don't let me show remember. you a picture. That's sure. interesting. Child of deaf adults. Yeah, Coda. I watched the trailer today, and so she has, she has two deaf parents, like completely deaf, and then she has a deaf brother. She's the only person wow. who can hear. So, but she she sings, and they can't hear her sing, and that's her passion in life is yeah. to be a singer. And it looked like it was going to make me cry a lot. But then the the actress who plays her mom is, and I believe all of the deaf, I think they're all deaf actors, and the actress who plays her mom. I've been following for a long time. She's fantastic. She's been in a lot of stuff, including an episode of Law and Order SVU. She's the bomb. So I really want to see it, but we don't have access to it. But this is another interesting fun fact about this thing. It's only nominated for three Oscars. So there's no way it's going to win. I would be ve- I would be shocked if this little ragtag three Oscar nominee movie wins Best Picture. And, that would be an upset. And that is one of those things that confuses me. Why did it even get nominated? Now that, like, it sounds great. I'm all for it. We need to figure out how to watch it. But how and why did it get nominated over things like In the Heights? Well, you know the nominated pro- nomination process, correct? Nope. Not okay. at all. So the production company has to, like, put a packet together and send in a nomination. So it's entirely possible that they did. They only applied for three nominations. That's possible. We don't have that information of like who gets, and that's like the, like the Academy doesn't just like think, Oh, I like this song from this movie. So let's nominate it. Cause that's another, I've always been fascinated with like the, whoever gets nominated for best song, because it's always like a song you didn't expect. Like it's the song from the credits, which you're like, that song was not even in the movie. It was in the credits or different things like that. And it's because like the producers either they, they, they choose which songs they are nominating to do that stuff. So that's, it's like a weird, like, I don't know. They're playing some sort of game that they're gambling with for some reasons that we don't know, but that. That's that. Movie. So you have to apply to be nominated, is what you're saying. The process is correct. So it's like kind of an honor, but kind of not because you're like asking for it. It's kind of awkward. Yeah. Okay. Last but not least, and then we'll end it. Who do you think is going to win Best Picture? I think it's a toss up between The Power of the Dog, which I haven't seen, 
in West Side Story. Really? Yeah, because I know I've been ragging on West Side Story this whole time, but it's Steven Spielberg. He's you, done his the thing. Odds are in its favor. Everything you said, like, yeah, it's it's a good movie. Like I I don't have anything I don't have anything against it from being a good movie. I just have something against it in that I kind of feel like I had already seen all of it. And that is what I don't like about it. The Power of the Dog, I only say that because it's the only other one I'm familiar with. And you say that it it's it's up there. The 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 one that I think is a wild card that could win, don't look up because right now climate change is on the tops of everybody's mind. Mm. It is well, a that very and like COVID and social commentary. It's a, yeah, it's a very hot topic and it is like everybody's talking about it. And because of that, I think that this is one of those movies that the entire academy would be like, "Oh yeah, this this did did this in such a great way." And it brought all these people in and did so well with it. So I could see that happening. I don't think that it should. I think Don't Look Up won't win simply because of the credit scenes. I don't remember the credit scenes. Okay, well, spoiler alert. The credit, there's two, but the one I'm talking about specifically is when oh, all the yeah. rich people land on the alien planet and Meryl yeah. Streep gets torn apart by that, that dinosaur. Yeah, For yeah. some reason, like as funny as it was, that to me like pushed it out of like quality film. It was too out there. Okay. But that, okay. that's, that's just me. But I think, yeah. And I think to that point, the whole movie. It's like a farce. The whole movie. Yeah. Is a, is a bit of a, it's a dark comedy. So, should it have been nominated? Should it have received the nomination? I would say no. But... Could it win? Maybe. I could see, since it somehow got nominated, why wouldn't it win? Right. And it, I mean, the Academy is really like a popularity contest, so I could see like it randomly It's got everybody. It's got Meryl. It's got... Timothy Chalamet. It's got a... Leo Jen. DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Scott Leo, Jonah Hill. Going back to West Side Story, did you know that the original West Side Story won Best Picture? In see, fact, they won ten Oscars. See, this is the. Wouldn't that is, be cool though? Is if West Side Story won again, so it like bookended itself? Not really. But no, I looked that up because I wanted to no, know. It wouldn't be cool. <laughs> it is extremely rare for a musical to win Best Picture. It yep. doesn't happen. And I, I'm trying to figure out if West Side Story was the only no, one. No, like when was the last time that happened? And because like I'm Sound of Music one, it used to happen all the time back in the day, but modern times, no. The Sound of Music won it. My Fair Lady won it. La La Land thought they won it, but they didn't. Ooh, sorry, Oliver Lala. won. Um, GG. Yeah, I think the the most recent one, if this information correct. Was like West Side Story sound and music, but anyway, yeah, I don't. I think Power. The, I think Power of the Dog will win, based on what I'm hearing. Going back to Don't Look Up, watching Don't Look Up reminded me a lot of The Big Short. Interesting. And The Big Short obviously got nominated, but it. I think it won. Did if, it win? If I remember correctly, let me look it up. It was nominated, but it didn't win. Yep. But if if that can get nominated and have that same like comedic commentary on a very real problem, which maybe Don't Look Up is doing, obviously it's doing it in some way. You can make your own interpretations on what it's actually talking about. But I think it is a, if people are listening to it, maybe that has a chance. Do I want it to win? Not particularly. I think we need to watch The Power of the Dog. I can watch it. You can watch it on your own. I'll watch it. I have no interest. Maybe I'll watch it. Sorry, while... Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. Sorry, Benny boy. Well, we've talked about Freaky Angels, Lord of the Rings, Talking Donkeys. International Women's Day. International Women's Day and the top 10 
movies of 2022. And, I, and why I think Steven Spielberg shouldn't get any more Right, Oscars. and Joe's utter disdain for Steven <laughs> no, Spielberg. I like Steve. He's a good guy. <laughs> um, I think we should call it. Yeah, we do need to call it because we've been talking for a while now. I know our fans are a loyal fan base, but I don't know if they have loyalty enough to last more than an or hour. Or sanity. Yeah, really more more sanity. We don't want to force you to listen to us for more than an hour. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.